man, how do you know this stuff? <laughs> how do you know? I think the gifts of the Holy Spirit start working already. That's awesome. So let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to read from the ESV today, not the New King James, which I usually read from. So um, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. Here is what Paul said. And you were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And we're going to stop today at verse 10, the last, this is our last Sunday in this passage. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen? Amen. All right, Sister Nancy, you ready? Ready? Oh. <laughs> All right, so as you can tell, I have a little bit of a cold, so I'm uh, not feeling 100% well, but uh, I'm still excited about sharing God's Word. So, pop quiz. This is our sixth, and sadly, last week, um, talking about the exceeding riches of His grace from Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. We mentioned six points in that passage that Paul was discussing. The first, uh, the first point was the exceeding riches of his grace in its reach. I don't have stickers, but I, I owe you. I'm going to take notes. <laughs> in its reach. And we said that's verses 1, 2, 3. And we say it that the grace of God reaches to those who are... Dead in trespasses and sins. Okay. Uh, can somebody take notes who's answering so we can uh, give the stickers <laughs> rightly? <laughs> All right. Dead in trespasses and sins. That's number one. Point number two. Slaves to the world and to Satan. Number three. Wicked in our own desires, our own minds. Everything in us is just rebellious and wicked against God. And number four. By nature, children of wrath were born in the messed up family of Adam, okay? But this is the people that the exceeding riches of the grace of God reaches to. The following week, we talked about the exceeding riches of his grace in its 
source two to one. Okay, uh, and it's source, and we said that the source of that exceeding riches of the of the grace comes from God, who is rich in mercy. Why he gives us this grace? Because of his great love with which he loves us. Amen? That third week, we talked about the exceeding riches of his grace in its works. Okay, three to one. Barbie, you need to step it up a little. <laughs> okay. In its works. What does this grace do? And we say that this exceeding riches of the grace of God picks up those who are dead in their trespasses and sins, make them alive together in Christ Jesus, and raise them up alongside Christ and seat them in the heavenly places next to Christ Jesus. And that was verse what? Um, for five, that was verse five and six, correct? And that is the exceeding riches of his grace in its work. Then the following week, that's week number four, we talked about the exceeding riches of his grace in its... Middleman. You want to come and preach? (laughs) And it's middleman. And that was verse seven. How do we receive this grace? Paul said that God will show in the ages to come the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us. Where? In Christ Jesus. And we say that this exceeding riches of the grace of God that brings salvation can exclusively be found in the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Without Him, there is no grace. Amen? So that was point number, week number four. Week number five, we talked about the exceeding riches of His grace in its... Man, here you go. <laughs> That's three, three, two. Okay. We have three, two. Remember, okay. Okay, so in its definition, and what did we say the definition of that exceeding riches of the grace of God? We say that it's an unmerited favor, that God will grant salvation as a free gift without work, without prerequisites. God will give salvation as a free gift to every single sinner in this world. What we were saying last time we talked about this passage is this, from verse Um, 8 and 9, is that even though the salvation is a free gift from God to man, without prerequisite, without good works, you just come as you are, and God will grant you that salvation as a free gift, yet we also say that faith, repentance, is not a free gift from God to man. That's what we were saying last, um, last time we talked about that passage. Salvation is a free gift, But faith is your responsibility. Repentance is your responsibility. You're the one who needs to turn around or at least have the desire to turn around. And when you give God the desire to change, he will give you the power to change. Amen? So that was the exceeding riches of his grace in its definition. And today is the last week. And we're going to talk about the exceeding riches of his grace in its manifestation. Man, even we're going to take a sticker today. That's awesome. Okay. And it's manifestation. So what we're going to talk about today is how 
when this grace touch a human being, touch a sinner, and we, at this grace, make this sinner who's dead, make them alive together with Christ, and see them in the heavenly places, how does this grace manifest itself in the life of the sinner into their fellow human being and their fellow neighbors and for their fellow workers? And Paul said here that when you're touched by that grace that makes you, raise you up from the dead and seat you in the heavenly places, that exact grace will change you, will make you a new creation, and you will now walk in good works that God has prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. Amen? So what Paul was trying to say here in that verse is simply says, once you're touched by that grace, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen? You can never be touched according to that verse. This grace can never touch you and you still live in sin. All right? You have to be changed if you are touched by this grace. Amen? All right. So let me first highlight that relationship between verse 10 and a couple of preceding verses in that passage. Okay? Number one, I'm going to throw in a lot of like individual notes here and there. So uh, try to bear with me. Um, the relationship between verse 10 and verses 5 and 6. In verse 5 and 6, Paul said that, we who were dead in our sins, we have been made alive together with Christ, have been lifted up, seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We discussed that before. In verse 5 and 6, Paul is talking about what the grace of God does to the sinner when it comes to God. Okay? But in verse 10, Paul is talking about what does this grace do to the sinner when it comes to their fellow human being. All right? So, in verse 5 and 6, Paul is talking about the effect of that grace in front of a holy and a righteous God. And what does it do? It raises the sinner up, make him to sit in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But in verse 10, he's talking about the effect of that grace in front of the rest of humanity, the rest of your neighbors and friends. And what does this grace do? It makes you a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen? That's number one. Now, I want you also to notice the relationship between verse 10 and verses 8 and 9. Particularly, how good works is in relation with the grace of God. Okay? In verse 8 and 9, he said that you are saved by grace through faith. And that is not of yourselves. Okay? It's a gift of God. And then he said, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Correct? But in verse 10, he says that once you're touched by that grace... There is good works that God has prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. All right? What Paul is trying to say here, if you look at verse 8 and 9 and 10, compare them together. Paul was saying that even though good works are not a prerequisite to be touched by the grace of God, you cannot bring nothing to God. It's a free gift. Yet in verse 10, Paul is saying that once you're touched by the grace of God, you must produce good works. Do you follow me? So in verse 8 and 9, he's saying, good works are not required to obtain the grace. But verse 10 says, once you obtain the grace, you must walk in good works. It's, it's impossible that you are touched by the grace of God and not be changed. Amen? So that is the relationship between verse 10 and the immediate preceding verses, verse 5 and 6 and verses um, 8 and 9. Now, let's dig into verse 10 a little bit, Okay. Um, the word, the word workmanship is actually, uh, the Greek word for it is 
Pueo, I think I might be butchering the pronunciation. But this word is the Greek word from which we get the word poem in English. And it was actually mentioned twice in the whole New Testament. One time here in Ephesians 2.10, and the second time in Romans 1.20. That's the only two times that this Greek word was mentioned in the whole New Testament. In Romans 1.20, Paul said, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. The word have been made in Greek is the same Greek word, uh, that Paul used here in Ephesians 2.10, workmanship. So they are without excuse. Now, there is a lot of people looking at this word differently. Some say that this word emphasizes the creativity and um, the, the amazingness of how God made us as a new creation, new creation in Christ. In other words, this word should be like masterpiece. We are his masterpiece. It's kind of like God comes us, come up with this amazing poem that is you and I. God really, really, really invested and made something so beautiful. And I don't personally see any problem with that understanding of the word. Some other people say, not really, it just simply means something that was made, doesn't emphasize the creativity. Either way, it's not a big deal. I personally think it means more like a masterpiece, that you and I, God's masterpiece. God's very best that he produced was you and me when he made us new creation in Christ Jesus. There's no much evidence for it. It's just more like my personal opinion, okay? So that is the word workmanship. So the point of that verse, again, as we said earlier, is that Paul was saying that once you are touched by the grace of God, you are created in Christ Jesus as a new creation. And once you are touched by that saving grace, the saving grace is also a life-transforming grace. So you cannot have the saving grace without having the life-transforming grace. Amen? What Paul was saying, if you look at the passage, at the whole thing in the context, and you read the whole thing together, what Paul was saying, even though this grace brings salvation as a free gift, and even though this grace doesn't require you to have any good works, and it will give you salvation from God to you at no cost at all, yet that exact same grace must change your life. If it doesn't, then you didn't have that grace. Amen? It's a one-package deal. You cannot pick and choose. You cannot say, I want the grace of God that saves, but I don't want the grace of God that changes my life because it's one grace. You either have the grace that changes your life and gives you salvation as a free gift, or you cannot have anything at all. Amen? Paul said the same thing. Look at Titus 2, 11 to 14. It's in the notes I'm giving you guys. Look at what Paul said. For the grace of God, Titus 2, 11 to 14. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. So look what Paul described the grace here. It brings what? Salvation. To who? To all men. The grace of God that brings salvation to all men. That's the same grace he's talking about in Ephesians chapter 2. Look how Paul described it in verse 12. Teaching us that... Denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and in godly and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 
What Paul was saying, what Paul was telling Titus here is this. The saving grace is also a teaching grace. You cannot pick and choose. You cannot say, I want the saving grace of God, but I really want to still live the way I live. It doesn't work this way. You either have the whole thing or you don't have anything. Amen? We talked about this before. When we talked about God's name, Elkanah, the Lord whose name is Jalas. And we said that some people say, I, get, I got saved when I was five, but I accepted Jesus as my Lord when I was 35. Doesn't work. There is no such a thing as I have Jesus as my Savior, but I don't have him as my Lord. He's either Lord and Savior or neither Lord or Savior. That grace that saves is a grace that changes. You cannot have one part without having the other. Amen? Amen? Amen. When I came to the States, even when I was at school and stuff, I asked some people or friends, is this person a Christian? And they tell me, he is a Christian, but I'm just not sure about his walk with the Lord. You know what? There is no such a thing as a Christian who doesn't walk with the Lord. If you're not walking with the Lord, you're not a Christian. Amen? You're either walking with God or you're not walking with Him. You're all in or you're all out. It's amazing to me the term backsliding Christian that I hear now in, in, in the church in America. I've never heard this till I came to the States. Backsliding Christian. You know what? This is a convenient 21st century American church terminology that means nothing. You're either backslidden or you're a Christian. You cannot be a backsliding Christian. Amen? Not good, huh? You cannot be this way. You're all in or you're all out. You cannot pick and choose and say, oh, I'm half in, half out. In the retreat, we talked about the ark, right? And we said that this is God's way of salvation to humanity. How much of, the, of Noah was in the ark to be saved? 50% of Noah was in the ark, just an arm and a leg? No. How much of Noah was in the ark? All of him. He's all in or he's all out. He couldn't choose and say, oh, I'm just going to put an arm and a leg in the ark, and I'm going to put an arm and a leg in the world, and then if the flood comes, I'll decide then what I would like to do. It doesn't work. You're all in or you're all out. Jesus is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Amen? The saving grace is a teaching grace. The grace can save you is also a grace that can transform your lives. And if you have never been transformed, I don't care how much you claim you're a Christian, you are not a Christian. The Bible says, if anyone in Christ Jesus, if anyone in Christ Jesus, he's what? And you... Creation in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You cannot be in Christ Jesus and you're not a new creation. Amen? Amen? Absolutely. Absolutely. And what I'm saying is this. God, doesn't, God is not expecting you to be perfect. Okay? I'm not saying that once you're touched by the grace of God, you're going to be perfect. I sin all the time. But the difference is you don't live in sin. Sin is not your norm. Sin is not the way you live. Sin is just an exception to the way you live. Amen? Before you knew Christ, sin is the way you live. This is the way everything you do is just sin, 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 sin. You're dead, right? But after you know Christ, you become alive and everything gets changed. There is no way you are going to be perfect. The Bible says if we say we have no sin, we make him a liar. You'll, you'll sin. You'll fall here and there. But that's the exception to the rule, not the rule you live by. All right? If anyone in Christ Jesus, he's what? He is a new creation. 
But not only that the grace of God changes you, I want you to dig deeper in that text, in that verse. And let's see the massiveness and how amazing that transformation that the grace of God does. Look what, what Paul said in verse 10. He said what? For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, good works, Notice works is plural. And then he said that God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Pop quiz. The word walk, we just read it here in verse 10. It was mentioned one more time in this passage. Can somebody help me? Where was the word walk mentioned in this passage? Verse 2. Exactly. In verse 2 and 3, it says that we walked in trespasses and sins. And Paul said trespasses and sins in a plural way. If you remember, we said that in the very first time that the reason Paul said trespasses and sin in a plural way is that he wanted to tell us that every single thought, every single action we do, everything about us was wicked before God. That's why he used the plural trespasses and sins and he used the word walk. But Paul, when it came to verse 10, he used the exact same word, walk. But instead of saying trespasses and sin, he said, we walk in good works. So this is what Paul was trying to tell us. The exact same exceeding riches of the grace of God that, tra- that saves the sinners free is also the exact same grace that changes your life 180 degrees. Everything will become different. The person who used to walk in trespasses and sin is now walking in good works. And he used good works in plural as well to tell us that now everything about your life would be good because the grace of God has touched you. Amen? This is the massive transformation that the grace of God does. The grace of God doesn't do minor modification in your life. The grace of God doesn't change something about you. The grace of God changes everything about you. You'll become a brand new, different person. New ambitions, new desires, new heart, new conduct, new thoughts. Everything about you will become brand new. Let me show you some other scripture. How the grace of God can transform the sinner. Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 4.28. Look what Paul said. Let the thief no longer steal. Okay? So we have a thief who got touched by the grace of God. What does this grace do? The thief not just stopped stealing, but look at this. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Do you see what Paul is saying here? The person whose nature is a thief, he's just, all what we knows how to do is to take, 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 take. He doesn't care to hurt people. He doesn't care to manipulate people. He's a thief for crying out loud. But once that thief is touched by the grace of God, he's not just going to stop stealing. Now that very thief is going out to work. He can save money. So he can do what? Give the poor. The person that his life was always about taking, now his life was all about giving. You know why? Because this person has been touched by the exceeding riches of the grace of God that changes everything about your life. Amen? Galatians 2, 22-24. Look what the grace of God did to Paul. Here is what he's recalling his conversion. And he said, And I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. 
He said, I got saved, but nobody knew who I am. Verse 23. They only were hearing it say. This is what they heard. This is the report. He who used to persecute us is now stop persecuting us. Did it, did that, is that what they heard? The one who persecuted us stopped doing it. Did they say that? No. What happened to the one who used to persecute the church? Is now preaching the faith that he once tried to destroy. This is what the grace of God does. Paul became a brand new person. Everything about Paul became different. He used to persecute the church. Now he's preaching the gospel because the faith, the grace of God has touched him and transformed him. Amen? Friends, this is no minor modification. This is a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's read this good verse. It's, this is slightly funny. First Peter 4, 3-4. Look what Peter said. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. Peter was saying, we've done enough. Work living in sin. How? He said, when we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, rivalries, drinking parties, and abominable idol, uh, idol, um, idolatries, idolatries. And then he said, in regard to these, they think it, look at this, strange. They think it strange that you do not run into, with them into the same flood of dispensation, speaking evil of you. Well, Peter was saying here that your partying bodies, the people that you used to party with and live all kinds of sin with in the past, now that you're touched by the grace of God and you have been 180, trans 180 degrees transformed, they look at you and think, what in the world has happened to these people? They used to party with us. They, don't, they, they stopped doing that. They don't party with us anymore. And now every time I go to talk to them, ask them to come to a party, they keep telling me about this Jesus. What happened to them? It is so strange. They must have been gone crazy or something. They speak evil of you because they don't understand what happened. But you and I know what happened. And you know what happened? They have been touched by the exceeding riches of the grace of God that transformed every single life 180 degrees. Amen? When you are in Christ Jesus, you are a new creation. And if you've never been a new creation, you've never been in Christ Jesus. The exceeding riches of His grace that has created us in Christ Jesus for good works that, that God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. How does it work? Should I try to do it? No. No. Once you're touched by that grace, look how Paul described these, these works that we do. It has been prepared where? As you go? You do it as you go? No. It has been prepared beforehand by God that we should walk in them. What Paul was saying here that this new creation that you're going to have, this new nature that you're going to have, is not even... Even that, it's not your own strength, it's not your own will, it's not your own power, it's not your striving to do it. It is the grace of God giving you God's power so you can live that life. Amen? It is God's good works that He has prepared even before the foundation of the world. And all what you have to do is just walk in it. Amen? It's not your strength, it's God's grace, it's His strength. It's the new nature that God will give you when you repent of your sins and come to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let me close with that verse, with that comparison. Remember what we said in the first time we talked about um, the, the exceeding riches of his grace and its reach. We described us in four different ways, right? 
We say that we were dead, right? That we were slaves to Satan and slaves to the world. We're doing the will according to the course of the world, according to the spirit of this age. So we're doing the will of Satan, the will of the world. And not only that, but we're walking in sins and trespasses. Everything we do is wicked before God. And last one was we were by nature children of wrath. We're just born in a messed up family of Adam. But before Paul moved on and stopped that subject and switched gears, he made sure that we understand that the grace of God has fixed every single problem that sin has caused to us. Amen? Let's look. Well, number one, we were dead, weren't we? But what did the grace of God do in verse 5? It made us alive together in Christ. Those who were dead are no dead no more because they have been made alive by the grace of Christ. We were slaves to Satan and to the world, right? He's saying that we doing things according to the course of this world, according to the will of the world, according to the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. But look at verse 10. We just read that part. That we are doing good work, which God did what? Prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I honestly think that the wording that Paul is using here is very intentional to compare how we were in the past to how we are right now. In the past, we're just living, doing the will of the world and the will of Satan. But once you're touched by the grace of God, now you're living to do the will of God who's rich in mercy, who has prepared good works for you that you should do it even before the foundation of the world. Do you guys see that? Do you see that? Do you see how we've been transformed from the dominion of the world and Satan to the dominion of God? Instead of walking according to the will of the world and the will of Satan, now we're walking in good works according to the will, according to the heart and desire of God who has prepared these works beforehand. Amen? Number three, the Bible says that we were walking in sins and trespasses. Everything about us was wicked before God. But what does he say in verse 10? That we are walking in good works. Now everything about us is good. Everything was evil before. But once we transformed and touched by that grace, everything about us is good before God. And last thing it says that we are by nature children of rest. But what did he say in verse 10? This nature has been changed. Why? Because you have been created a brand new creation in a new family. And it's not the fallen family of Adam. It's the family of the living son of God. Amen? We are created in Christ Jesus in new creation. Every single aspect, every single problem that sin has caused to us, the exceeding riches of the grace of God has redeemed and has changed. Amen? And now because of the grace of God, we are blood-washed children of the living God. And we're going to go to heaven. We're seated in the heavenly places. And every one of us is a brand new creation. Amen? I don't know about you. It's time to be excited about that grace of God. Let's all close our eyes and pray. Yes, Lord.